What are some things in your life that you cannot live without? Obviously, it's going to be water and food and even our loved ones. On today's passage, we're going to be seeing that Paul desired nothing more than to preach the gospel. And if you strip that from him, he would be nothing. So let's learn what that means in our own lives. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I pray that you guys are blessed in the Lord and, and that you guys are seeking Him every single day of your life. Now today, we're going to be going from talking about the blessing of giving towards God's work and seeing the ministry of God's word, the gospel message lived out in our lives in a way that we could not explain in and of ourselves. Now, what I mean by this is today, what we're going to be seeing Paul do is transition from the benefit of giving towards God's work, but living your life to the degree where without his work in you, you would be nothing. Your ultimate purpose of existence is to honor and glorify our creator, our God, our savior, to have communion, to have fellowship with him and to, in this world, live it out to those around you. And so today, you guys, we're going to be talking about what it looks like in your life to run with purpose, not for your sake, not to win a prize. Not because you have the energy to do it and it's fun. Yes, those are partly true, but the totality of why we run with purpose is to fulfill the message of the gospel. We run with purpose for the gospel's sake. So I ask you, before we dive into verses 15 through 27 in chapter 9, 1 Corinthians, how are you living out the gospel in your own life? Now you could say, because I talk to a lot of Christians throughout the year and you hear a lot of them will say, yeah, but I'm not a preacher. Yeah, but you know, I work at the bank. So yeah, I, I, I want to live with purpose, but it's not that easy, especially in the woke culture that I live in. And when they look at people who are in full-time ministry, they say, well, you're running with more purpose or it's more evident that you are living out the gospel, because every single day you talk about it, you share it with other people, you counsel people and they come into your office. And that's not really, you know, my schedule or my role in this world. And let me just say this. We are all ministers of the gospel. We are all ambassadors of Christ. We all make up the body of Christ. We're individuals with different gifts, but we make up the body of Christ. We partake as we're going to be seeing in first Corinthians chapter 10, of the table of the Lord, meaning communion isn't just something that we do in remembrance of what he's done for us on the cross, that it is finished, totalistai, that we have the redemption, we have redemption, that is through the blood of Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 7. But we come to the table because Christ is the head. He is the head of the body. We are his bride and we are to fellowship with one another in his presence. So that's why we have the word communion this, it's, it's the deeper meaning of, of koinonia. It's a deeper meaning of fellowship. 
because it, it means we are one. We are one in his body. We are one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? So before we look at that, we have to understand that a lot of ministry today is, is suspect. And what I mean by that, and again, if you just scroll around and you look at different things out there and podcasts and, and books that are selling millions of copies, here's a sad reality. A lot of it is being taught by false teachers. A lot of it is being portrayed to be Christian and yet in fact, it's not. Or again, it may not be unorthodox in every aspect. There may be some heterodoxy towards it, but that sells. Element of truth in scripture. Oh yeah, this is the gospel. Jesus loves you. And you're like, on the face of it, that's true. But they don't go any deeper than that. And then you start seeing some inclusivity when it, come, when it comes to the terminology of love is love. Meaning God, supposedly, they say in this frame of, quote, Christianity, this is what the gospel is about. The gospel doesn't discriminate. The gospel is inclusive. The gospel is social justice. My friends, that is false. That is not the gospel. The gospel is the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he taught, and knowing that he's going to return one day as King of King and Lord of Lords. So when we run with purpose, it is for the gospel's sake. It's not to boast. See, that's the other aspect. There's other aspect of ministry today, sadly, especially on speaking to American culture. And yes, this is true in some aspects within Europe, but you predominantly see it even uh, through the years with uh, Hillsong before Brian Houston was let go, is there's this boasting in the gospel. And you're going to see today that Paul did not boast in the gospel. There's not, we don't have pride coming in like as though God needs us. So let's keep that in mind and, and, and again, personalize it as to where you are currently at in your relationship with Christ and how you are living out the gospel. So if you missed any previous podcasts, I encourage you guys to check things out. StandStrongMinistries.org. You can click on the podcast button there on the top. And we have our two here, Stand Strong in the Word, and also Challenging Conversations. So let's pick things up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning here in verse 15, where it says, But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I did it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Verse 24, 
Do you not know that a that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? For so therefore run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we in an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. At least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. My friends, there is a lot here in this passage. And even as I was reading through it, it can be a bit confusing. So I will do my best to break down verse by verse this portion of of this passage I just read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 27. And the, and the ultimate big idea here is how you as a Christian can run with purpose for the gospel's sake. So let's go back and see what Paul's saying here. So first what we're going to do is we're going to look at verse 15. This is more of like a transition portion because previously what we just read in the last podcast, in podcast 241, he says, in the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So we are referencing um, what Paul was referring to, and this was teachings of Jesus that you clearly see in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. And so now he says, but I have made no use of any of these rights. So again, what Paul was doing was he was talking about the, 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 the aspect of his life, and clearly this is in 1 Corinthians 9, is a great evidentiary piece of how Paul conducted himself, and we also can see this reflected in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and also 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So those are three primary passages of Scripture where Paul breaks down his ministry, his conduct personally, of how he lived among people that he ministered to, that he served. And so right off the bat here, Paul in this transition verse, but he has not made use of these rights for I'm writing these things to secure such provisions. He did receive support, financial support on occasion from certain churches. We know this because he mentions it in 2 Corinthians 11, 8, Philippians 4, 14 through 18. Now, that's not wrong because what we talked about in our Christian doctrine, we are to give, we are to be generous. We are to give towards God's kingdom in the local church, to raise up elders, pastors, people to serve in the local church, that they are worthy of their labor. Just as we saw a plowman, a thresher, a temple worker, okay? These people work and they earn a living and they partake, if you will, of their flock or of their cattle, of the harvest. And similarly, we have to understand that in ministry today, because of our generous donations, charitable donations, when we give to those causes, we're able to bring on people who are to shepherd us. Now, Paul, when he says, but I have made no use of any of these rights, there, are, there were on occasion that he received support. That's biblical. But he mostly worked to avoid being accused of cheating people of the gospel. And that was conducive for him. Because of the climate that Paul was in at the time in which he was preaching and traveling, there was nobody doing the extensive work in ministry as he was doing. And so that was unique to Paul. And when he says this phrase, I would rather die, what Paul does is he uses a common phrase to contrast with a dreadful situation. So he, he would, it, would, it would absolutely destroy him if he knew that he did something that caused someone to stumble. He would be devastated to learn if his rights or his way of living 
caused a weaker Christian to stumble. Think about that. Nowadays, we just accept it. And I'll be honest, even with me running a, a, a nonprofit, a 501c3, we, we depend on your donations. And I'm so grateful for many of you who have given monthly, uh, a one-time gift at the end of the year, those who pray for us, those who send an email to info at standstrongministries.org to, to, to say we're praying for your ministry, thank you, thankful for all that you have taught us. I mean, that, that, that's wonderful support. And so we have to ensure, like Paul says here, that, that we are not taking for granted, that we're not taking for granted the things that God has provided for us through people. And so notice he says, deprive me of my ground for boasting. Again, so what we have to understand is there is no greater joy than preaching the gospel. That was true for Paul. And I pray it's true for me. And I pray it's true for you, my friend. And you could see the joy of Paul expressed in Romans chapter 15, verses 18 through 19, for he says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the gospel to the Gentiles in obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, end quote. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. May that be true, my friends, of us. And sadly, as I was alluding to earlier, and I've seen it in my own life out there on the road, there are people who their ground of boasting is about them. It's about their platform. It's about the energy. It's about the the acceptance and the approval that they get from man. But going back to our study in Galatians chapter one, Paul says, if you are a pleaser of man, you are not a true servant of Christ. That's why Paul says here, for if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul was not boasting in his own message. He was not boasting like many people do in their ability to preach and to boast about their platform and how many views and clicks they get. He recognized it was Jesus who personally called him to preach his message to his people. What an honor. So this phrase, woe to me, again, Paul expresses, this is a form of lament. So you see him already off, right off the bat in this, in this passage of scripture in verses 15 and 16, Paul would be devastated to know that if his life was not living up to the standards of Jesus Christ of the gospel and to know how that has harmed people, it would ruin him. Notice the sensitivity that he has to that. And then here, woe to me, this is a form of lament because he's recognizing if anything prevented me from preaching the gospel, I would be nothing. If you go back to actually this conversation, it was more of an, uh, uh, an apologetic that Paul had with King Agrippa in chapter 26 of Acts. And if you look explicitly in verses 16 through 18, this is what Luke writes. He says, but rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose. This is Paul sharing with King Agrippa his conversion story from Jesus. And Jesus said to Paul to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place 
among those who are sacrificed by faith in me, end quote, or excuse me, who are sanctified by faith in me. So over and over and over again, you see Paul preaching the gospel because of the calling that Jesus Christ gave him. Now, your calling and my calling may not be this extraordinary or this unique, but we are not to house resentment or envy or jealousy because our calling is not to the level of Paul. This is for law for Paul to live. And you know what? With this responsibility came a lot of persecution, a lot of affliction that the vast majority of us would not be able to endure like Paul did. So let's just keep that in mind. But I love this because woe to me, and I, I say the same thing in my life. Lord, woe to me if I stop preaching your word. Woe to me if it becomes about me. Judge me, Lord. Judge me severely. If my flesh, if I'm boasting in my flesh and I'm no longer glorifying your holy name and what you've called me to do and I'm no longer as a vessel using the spiritual gifts that you've, you've given me to honor and glorify you and to advance your, your, your kingdom for the gospel's sake. I mean, we have to be to that level, my friends. Even right now as we're listening, it's like, what am I doing to advance the gospel? How am I living it out? Is there scandal in my life? Is there sin in my life? Is there disobedience in my life? Is there resentment in my life? Am I believing something that is false? Am I supporting a ministry or a person that does not honor the Lord and I've gotten sucked into that and the gossip? So let us be clear in our own lives as Paul was here for the necessities laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to each and every one of us if we do not preach the gospel. We're not to be lax. We're not to be apathetic. We're to be obedient. And that's why Paul says, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Now this, the word here for rewards, this is the common Greek word, misthos. It carries the idea of a wage or a recompense. And if you apply the word also stewardship, which refers to managing a household. So what Paul's focus was, it was not to earn a nice living. It was not to build a platform. It was not to advance his presentation and his performance and his status on earth to gain more followers, but was to faithfully execute his responsibility as an apostle. You see, his reward was not to see the Corinthians benefit from the gospel um, you know, through uh, them paying him money. His reward was to see the Corinthians benefit by hearing the gospel, repenting of their sins, and living holy lives unto the Lord. That was his reward. Isn't that sad that now people, what they're not willing to do until they get paid? You know, one thing that we've always tried to stay true when it, come, when it came to our ministry was to go where God has called us to go and not to worry about how it's going to work, how it's going to be funded. There are many times, and if you're listening and I've encountered with you, we've, we've done ministry together, we've, we've been co-labors together in the gospel, you will know that there's a conversation I'm sure that I have with you, and this is led by the board directors, people that hold me accountable, and my inner circle of trusted advisors. We don't go where the money is, meaning we don't say, oh, you want me to be there? It's going to be this much. Well, we can't afford that. Well, too bad. I guess we're not coming. That's not how we operate. We don't see that in scripture. 
You know, when you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, when we study that chapter, remember what Paul said in verse 1? He says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. So we have a reward. We, we, we have a wage. We have recompense. Because there's a stewardship that we have been given. Just like a steward, a servant manages the affairs of the house, keeps things in order. That's what we are to do as Christians. We are to execute our responsibilities accordingly, according to the gospel, knowing that eventually we will be judged by God, whether good or bad. And that's why he says here in posing the question, what then is my reward? See, it was common in urban cities to pay traveling orators and lecturers. So when Paul says here that in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. So Paul, though, the difference with him, and this is something, again, we've been talking about, he wanted to make sure that he distinguished himself from those who took advantage of people's money. And because that was so prevalent or because you were supported as an orator and you travel the community, they saw that as a profession that you were considered to be more legit. And Paul so purposely and intentionally made sure that as he was counting it a privilege to preach the gospel, that he wasn't doing it based on the standard of his day or whatever status that the communities put orators in. That's not what he was seeking. Otherwise, he would have easily have said, oh, I'm the one that gets paid the most. I'm the one that has more reoccurring speaking engagements. I'm the all wise one. No, free of charge throughout his ministry, Paul worked. He worked to earn a living because he wanted to intentionally keep himself separate from how people judge people in his profession. Now, granted, we're talking about an orator in the Greek culture who was like a, a deep philosopher. Let's call him a traveling professor versus Paul who was called to be an apostle. So there's no comparison. The comparison here that we're making that Paul's bringing out here was that he was a public speaker. He was one that would educate the, pub, the, the populace. And a lot of the people who did that for a living like Paul, they were paid to do that. And that elevated their status. The more reoccurring speaking engagements that you had and the more money that you got paid by communities, again, the more recognition, the greater your expansion uh, would become and in, 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 you know, recognition and brand. Paul wasn't into that. And, and we have to pause and, and reconsider what our motives are. If we're running with purpose for the sake of the gospel, again, we are not going to be greedy. If we're running with purpose for the sake of the gospel, again, we're not going to be focusing on ourselves and what people think about us. And I'll be honest with you guys, as I'm reading this and I'm convicted, even when I was studying it and reading it again with you guys here on air, I want to I wanna be... I want to be in the presence of God in a way that honors him. Like, Lord, search my heart. You know my ways. You know, the, you know my thoughts, Lord. And I want to make sure that when I'm conducting myself out there, I'm not worried about how we're going to pay the bills, what my future looks like in terms of retirement or anything. Like that. I just, Lord... I want to run with purpose and I want to preach your word and I want to honor you and I want to love your people 
And I know, as we're going to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when we get into that book, that the God of this age has blinded. There are people who are perishing. And we are the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ. And we need to, we need to with purpose, shine your light in the darkness. And that's why Paul, when you see now in this transition, when he's saying, I, I am, I am a, a servant of all, that I, wait, that I might win more. Again, when we look at Paul's day, some people continue their servant status to maintain order and civility. But what Paul was saying is, hey, I've relinquished these rights. And, and I want to admonish you Corinthians to, to not continue to be stubborn and boastful in your rights and your status. You need to seek to serve other people and not get the recognition. And that's hard. That's hard, especially for people who are used to getting a lot of attention because of their personality or because of their giftedness or if they have a leadership role. But if we're going to reach more people, we need to be a servant of Christ. Remember the saying that goes like this, the old adage, it's not about the it's not about the number of people that serve you, but the number of people you serve. And that's a great way of of looking at your life right now. How many people are you serving right now versus how many people are always trying to meet your needs because you're selfish? So when Paul says here to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. Again, if Paul was going to reach people as a servant of Christ to win more for the, for the gospel, he sought to minister to Jews and Gentiles. If you go back to Acts 26 and Acts chapter 9, I believe in Acts 22, Paul shared his testimony. And we know that God had called him to, that is Jesus specifically, the second person of the Trinity, called him to reach both Jews and Gentiles. And so, for example, when he went to the Jews and he was traveling throughout Derby and Lystra and Iconium, what did he do? He circumcised Timothy. Timothy was a half-Jew. And why did he do this? Because in Acts 16, verse 3, Luke writes, the Jews knew that his father was a Greek. And so in order for Paul to remove that as an issue, he had Timothy circumcised. Again, not to be saved, not to be in right standing with God. He already was. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. But he was sensitive to the culture of his people. Elsewhere, when he was at the temple, Paul observed the purification rites in Acts chapter 21, 20 through 26. He did this in respect to his heritage. He did this in respect to the culture as a Jew. You see this in Acts chapter 18, verse 18, because he fully knew that he wasn't required to keep the commandments to be saved. But he did it, he observed these things in the context of the Jewish people. And because of that, he was more likely to engage with respect, with mutual respect between him and a Jew who rejected Jesus as Savior. It gave him an opportunity to be able to witness to his people. To those outside the law, he says in verse 21, I became as one outside of the law. So Paul is speaking about being, when he says outside, he's referring to being outside of the Mosaic law. So who is he speaking about? He's speaking about Gentiles. Now, this isn't to mean that he was saying that um, he isn't saved by the law and therefore isn't converting non-Jewish people to follow the law of Moses. No. Again, if you look at Scripture, Scripture interpreting Scripture, you go back to what Paul says in Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. 
Paul writes, owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So in context, what Paul's saying here was it's not about then forcing the law on people who are not Jewish. And if they don't, then they're not really loved. No, you love them regardless. And in this case, also you see how Paul related to the Greeks. And this is in full display when he preached them in Areopagus in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. Notice he found, he found common ground with him. So I became as one outside the law. It does not imply living a sinful life and becoming like a Gentile. That, and that's what people do. That's another mistaken interpretation in scripture when people say, oh, well, let's go party. And as we get drunk and wasted and have sex with people outside of marriage, I can then witness to these people. No, that runs contrary to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're not to become one with a harlot. We don't become one with the world. There's, there's enmity between the world and God. We're not to be enemies of Christ, as James said in James chapter four. So we have to be careful. We, we, we adapt to the environment with respect. And that's why I always tell people when you study world religions, respect the person in their religion. Meaning it doesn't, when I say respect, doesn't mean that you buy into it and you just accept it and you're compromising. Of course not. But you respect the fact that this is what the person was taught to believe. And so if you're traveling the world and there's a certain culture, you don't mock and think that your culture is better. That's what Paul's saying here. So when he says to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people. Again, commentators differ as to whether Paul's referring to possibly like, you know, a low class of society or he's specifically referring to those who have a weaker conscience. And this feeds into what we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I think it's a little bit of both. Because you see, his ministry as an apostle, it wasn't restricted to a particular class of people, a group or status of people. Paul was charged to preach the gospel to all people, no matter their ethnicity, their religion, or the social class. You look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 through 16, where Paul Paul provides this, this, this wisdom, my friends, and how to love and to share his, his love, Christ's love to people around. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So when you look at Paul talk about here, about do all for the sake of the gospel, right? So that it could be a blessing. He was determined to faithfully execute this task, to share the gospel and to link it up with an eternal perspective to all the people that he reached. So whether it was people who are in a lower class, people who had a weak conscience, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 through 12, he was sure to win them all. And this is important for us too, because the other thing too is you validate, a lot of times we validate boastfully a, a status within our ministry depending on the people that we reach, meaning I'm more qualified because I hang out with rich people or my ministry is more productive and, and because I have a, U, a huge YouTube channel. So most people think that person is reaching more people. Therefore, they're more qualified to talk about certain things than this person who has less reviews. That's not what Paul did here. His freedom in Christ was to extend himself, whether it be Jew or Gentile, in a way 
that would appeal to them to win them for Christ. And if you look at Paul's movements, you know, he was all over the place. That's why when he uses this phrase here in verse 24 to run the race as a runner, um, you know, he witnessed probably the the Isthmian Games in Corinth. The, these were the Olympics that became the first form of Olympics, that is, that were famous. And you see in Acts chapter 18, verse, verse, eight, uh, verse 11, excuse me, where Luke records that Paul stayed in Corinth for six months. And then he sailed to Syria in Acts 18, verse 18. One Greek writer observed, if you have worked hard enough to render yourself worthy of going to Olympia, if you have not been idle or ill-disciplined, then go with confidence. But those who have not trained in this fashion, let them go where they will, end quote. And I love this because you you see Paul using this, do you not know that a that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. You know, he's using these Olympic games that was very popular, just like we have sports that are very popular in our culture today. And you see this Greek writer talking about Olympia and not being idle. If you're ill-disciplined, meaning if you have not performed and you're going to lack the confidence and you're not going to win. And it's almost that play on that Paul uses here. But he points out that we don't do it just for a, a perishable wreath. Remember in the Greek games, the winner would receive a garland or a wreath that would eventually decompose. But he says, we, we run the race for an imperishable crown. That is receiving a crown that would last forever. You see this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, where it's referred to as a crown of righteousness. James chapter 1, verse 12 refers the crown, catch this, when we, we're faced, you know, when we're to be steadfast in trial, the crown of life, that we will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Peter says this as an elder, speaking of the chief shepherd who is Jesus Christ, when he appears, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. So he says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Why? Because I know who I serve. I run with purpose for the sake of the gospel. And I know that one day when Christ appears, the chief shepherd, we're told in 1 Peter 5, 4, I will receive that crown of life. So he doesn't run aimlessly. He doesn't do aimless boxing there that doesn't do any good for us. He disciplines his body with control. If you go back in his, in his life and his ministry and his teachings, Paul utilized this metaphor athlete multiple times in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And he did this to emphasize the importance of living a disciplined life as a Christian. A boxer who trained hard to develop their skill to strengthen their body, they would train and they would train against people and they wouldn't just beat the air aimlessly with no purpose. No, we run with purpose, my friends. We know the target. We know the person we serve. We know the calling that he's given us. This word discipline in Greek carries the intimation of giving a black eye. And I love this, and I want to put this in perspective as I close things out with you guys, that the Isthmian boxers that were training for Olympia, they would undergo this intense physical pain, and they would go through this process because they were preparing themselves for the competition in the games. So just like an athlete who, who grinds it out, so they can compete. We as Christians must discipline both our mind and our body. And we are to do this so that we can avoid falling into temptation and being disqualified. Paul's focus in training himself was to preach the gospel to others. 
this is the fourth mentioning of him fulfilling his goal of winning others for Christ. And my friends, that is what you need to look at in your life is how fervent are you in preaching the gospel, running with purpose for the sake of the gospel in your own life. I pray that each one of my brothers and sisters listening will not be disqualified. In the Greek, that means being disproved after being tested. So Paul says, least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. God forbid when you and I look back in our Christian walk and we're thinking how much of this was a waste because it was about me and it wasn't about my Savior, even though I thought it was or even though I told the public that it was, but deep down it was about me. I pray that this has encouraged you guys that you would run with purpose for the sake of the gospel. My friends, thank you guys for listening today as we now ended 1 Corinthians 9. We will start in the next podcast, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where we will learn how to separate ourselves from the world and live in the sanctification through the redemption of the blood of Christ Jesus and as a powerful witness for those people in our world and not to compromise as we look contextually of how to run with purpose for the sake of the gospel. If you have any questions and you want to reach out to our ministry, you can go to standstrongministries.org. And let me encourage you guys, if you listen to this podcast and you love what we're doing, leave us a review out there, share it with your friends, and prayerfully consider becoming a monthly Stand Strong supporter so you can continue to help us spread the word of God all over the world. Until next time, keep standing strong in the word of God. (music) 